Foundation One, God's Plan for Marriage. Foundation One, God's Plan for Marriage. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, and then Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and verses 18 and 24, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the bears of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the bears of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. In this section, we will consider God's plan for marriage as primarily seen in Genesis narrative. Most couples, married couples, miss God's best simply because they do not know what God desires for marriage. If you don't know the purpose of something, it is destined for misuse. Therefore, over 50% of marriages end in divorce, and a large number of those who remain married continue to miss God's purpose for their union. Today, we will help move your marriage or future marriage in the direction God desires through studying His Word. In today's section, we will consider five aspects of God's plan for marriage. Five aspects of God's plan for marriage. Number one, God's plan for marriage is to reflect His image. God's plan for marriage is to reflect his image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The Bible teaches Adam and Eve as husband and wife. We are created in the image of God. And therefore, we are meant to bear God's image, to be in his likeness. Marriage was meant to model and display God's glory to all of creation. In what ways is the image of God 
reflected in the marriage union. We see his image. We see his image is in the plurality and unity of marriage. First, we can see that his image is in the plurality and the unity of marriage. God said in verses 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. And then the text says, male and female, he created them. <clears throat> Excuse me. When God made man, he made a plurality. He made man and woman. And later in the narrative, God said they would become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are one and yet still individual persons. When a couple gets married, they are meant to demonstrate this. Marriage demonstrates two individual people becoming one for the rest of their lives while maintaining their individuality. With that said, there are other Trinitarian implications to the marriage union. In the Trinity, Jesus the Son submits in all things to God the Father. You can read John chapter 5 verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 27. And the Holy Spirit submits to both. Read John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 15, verse 26. There is perfect submission in the Godhead. In the same way, when God made man and woman in his image, there was meant to be order in the relationship. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Paul says, in the same way that the head of Christ is God, so the head of the woman, better translated the wife, is man. God made the husband and wife relationship to mirror the Godhead specifically in the area of authority. Therefore, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, calls for wives to submit to their husbands in everything. Another tri Trinitarian implication is love in marriage. The wife submits to the husband, and the husband loves his wife. Consider what Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the world, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or in any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The submission of the wife happens in a perfect loving relationship with her husband. Similarly, throughout eternity, the Godhead has always dwelled, dwelled in a perfect relationship 
of love and authority. The father loves the son, and the son submits to the father. The father does not oppress the son and make him submit. He loves the son. And within this perfect love, the son submits to, to God. The Holy Spirit loves and submits to both. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible simply says, God is love. In the same way, wives are called to submit to their husbands, and husbands are called to love their wives. It is not that the wife does not love her husband, or that the husband never submits to his wife. Compare that with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It's just that the defining characteristic of the woman's service to her husband should be submission. And the defining characteristic of the husband's service to his wife should be love. This is part of the way we see the image of God in the marriage relationship. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 gives us a picture of what the husband's love should look like. It should reflect Christ. The husband is called to love his wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for her, and he also teaches her the word of God. The husband must love his wife sacrificially and lead his wife spiritually. When the world looks at a Christian marriage, they should see a husband who makes daily sacrifices for his wife and actively leads the home spiritually. He leads his family to a Bible-preaching church. He leads family devotions. He serves his wife and edifies her with his ways. He sacrifices to praise her, to please her. He sacrifices to please her and build her up. The wife, on the other hand, honors him as her head and submits to him in everything. Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. This is a redemptive picture of the gospel. Marriage should demonstrate the perfect love and submission in the Godhead. It should also reflect the perfect sacrificial love of Christ for the church and the church's submission to Christ. People should be encouraged and challenged by watching a godly marriage. They should see something of the glory and the greatness of God. Therefore, when a marriage is not functioning correctly, it displays a mad image of God and it distorts its intended message. With so many marriages ending in divorce or continuing in disarray, the glory of God has been greatly dimmed. It is no surprise, no surprise that so many people doubt God's existence or are falling apart from Him. The light in marriages has often become darkness, which in turn pushes people away from God. In marriage, it should be our desire. It should be our desire to reflect God and bring glory to Him, since that was His original plan.